Hey there, I'm LB Harvey, SVP of Sales and Support at Intercom, and welcome to the final episode of our podcast series, The Sales Summit. Over the last three weeks, we've hosted industry leaders from today's most innovative companies to discuss the trends and challenges shaping the future of sales. Inspired by the release of our book, Intercom on Sales, we've taken a fresh look at three big topics, speed, automation, and growth. We wanted to know, what are sales leaders doing to bring velocity to their sales cycle? How are they using automation to bring new efficiencies to their sales orgs? And finally, where do they see the biggest opportunities to accelerate revenue and what obstacles stand in their way? In today's episode, we're compiling our favorite insights from all three discussions, along with additional material we're airing for the first time. You'll hear from Dialpad's Chief Strategy Officer, Dan O'Connell, and Sherlock's CEO, Derek Skoletsky, on speeding up and slowing down deals to deliver value to your buyers and your business. You'll also hear from Slack's Manager of Mid-Market Sales, Maggie Hott, and Guru's Senior Director of Sales, Halid Ibrahimovic, on the power and pitfalls of accelerating sales with automation. Finally, you'll also hear from Aircall's VP of Sales, Colin Cadmus, and Glowfox's Director of Sales, Patrick Fitzgerald, on scaling efficiently as you pull new growth levers and introduce new sales motions. To hear each of these conversations in full, check out earlier episodes of our podcast. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, or grab the RSS feed in your player of choice. Now, without further ado, let's jump into the studio. In sales, we're constantly asking ourselves, how do we move faster? Speed is our solution to hitting ambitious targets and increasing our efficiency. In a study we conducted, 91% of sales reps said responding instantly has helped close a deal. But when it comes to the buyer experience, faster isn't always better. Intercom sales manager Dave Benyon spoke to Dialpad's Dan O'Connell and Sherlock's Derek Skoletsky about how sales teams can strike the right balance. You know, we all place a premium on speed, knowing that time kills deals. So the faster we can close deals, the faster we grow as a business. How has your team kind of approached accelerating the sales cycle? I think for us, um, things that we're tracking and looking for is obviously when you talk about, you know, how do you move faster? You got to have a tight process. So we care a lot about how do we actually monitor um, from just do people know what they're talking about to are they following a consistent process? So that gets into call recordings and voice analytics on that front. I think a lot of piece comes into just qualification too, is actually as you start to scale reps, whether it's BDRs or SDRs or AEs, like do people actually know how to best qualify things? Um, because I think a lot of times, especially I remember this early on in my careers, I just didn't qualify things well. And so you get dragged into bad deals. They take a lot of time. You get heartbroken at the end because they don't win or don't close. And then you look back and say, oh, I should have seen that way ahead of time. And then just in terms of just some processes, we, we monitor a lot of speed to leads. So when a lead comes in, how quickly down to minutes can we get back to them? Um, we do some interesting things in terms of implementing automated text messaging and leveraging um, chatbots and things to that nature. But those are all three things that we care a lot about is process, good qualification, and then how do we leverage some different tools to actually get back to people faster in more automated ways. Awesome. Derek? Yeah, I mean, most of our, we're kind of a product-led company. So most of our leads are coming through a free trial. So when we think about speed, first of all, it's how fast can we get someone to value in the product, right? It isn't necessarily how fast can we get a sales reaction uh, to that person. So that's really important stuff for us to track and make sure we know exactly where everybody is and when they get to a point of value. And that's when we're going to activate our sales team. And to that end, they need to be able to react quickly. Uh, They need to know when someone reaches that point. And they need to be able to react because that to us is momentum, right? There's, there's momentum when you start using a product that if you let that lag, you know, in this day and age, 
it's kind of deadly, right? Yeah. So with today's attention spans, you got to be able to take advantage of that momentum in the product. So that that's a big deal for us. A lot of times in sales, we want to have our hands on everything. Just let the leash off of us. We just want to get at everybody. How do you signal to, hey, go talk to this leader, this person, but also how do you make sure your salespeople hold back? Yeah, so for us, we track what we call the activation rate of all of our trial leads that come in, and we have our salespeople reacting based on what, where a lead has gotten in terms of using the product. So, for example, if it's a big company that comes in, someone from Intercom, I mean, that's kind of a big company for us right now, but yeah. um, comes in, size up for the trial, sales is going to know that they're going to react to that quicker than they're going to react to, you know, a, a small startup that's starting to use the product. They may not react to that at all, or they may wait till, you know, they get down the line further, 80, 90% activated uh, with the product. So segmentation definitely plays oh, a part Oh, absolutely. Of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. And it's a combination of that product activity with uh, kind of firmographic stuff. We do product qualified leads, and I didn't know what to call them until Derek just enlightened me on that. I'm like <laughs> literally going to show up later today and be like, guess what? Genius. Um, genius. Yeah. But we do this. We do something similar, which is we start to segment the market. It's not just geographical. It's not just by vertical, uh, but it actually gets into, you know, it's this, we call them tier zero to tier four companies. And, and those are basically are they cloud first tier zero or are they kind of legacy, uh, more old school, whatever that, you know, somebody wants to define that as uh, being. And that has a different implication in terms of sales process and probably speed, you know, momentum that you might see in that deal. Yeah, I think it's something we've had to think a lot about as well as as we segment our customers, what type of experience do they want to have? And so some people just want to go online and sign up by themselves and they don't want to talk to a sales rep. And so how do we make sure that we're nurturing and onboarding and activating those people correctly? Yeah. At the same time, for people who do want to talk to a salesperson, how do we get to them super quickly, especially those companies that have large wallets right? yeah. and, and making sure that we're prioritizing those and uh, providing a great experience. It's interesting to think about it from a buyer's perspective. How do you think speed from a salesperson kind of affects the buyer? Like if a salesperson comes in too quick or too slow, like as a buyer, how does that make you feel? I think it depends on where I am in my own, in my own cycle. Um, I was doing a refinance for a house and, um, and better mortgage. I'll give them a shout out. They immediately texted me back, literally on three seconds. I was on a flight actually um, going through the mortgage application. They texted me. I was like blown away. I pinged our CEO. I was like, this is amazing. This whole experience is amazing. Got off the fight, called them, um, and literally asked them, like, how are you compensated? Because you sent me an email, you called me, you sent me a text message, and I'm just kind of blown away, and we've been trying to figure out how to move, move faster. And they're like, oh, this is just part of our, part of our process. Um, and so for that, going through that, like, I wanted to lock in a rate. So I was very much like, hey, I want to move really, really quickly on that, and I, that was great. If that's not where I'm at in the cycle, it can also be somewhat off-putting of, of this person is literally berating me and how do I get them to slow down and I'm just trying to get some information. I'm trying to shop rates. I don't even know if I'm going to go do a refi. So I think, again, it comes back into how can you perhaps slow down, understand where that person is, is in their own process, which, Dave, you, you highlighted earlier, I think becomes really important in this qualification. And the better you can qualify anything, I think, you then have the gauge of how quickly do I need to move and how can I perhaps match that cadence or, to Derek's point, be slightly ahead of it to try to, to, try to best manage it. Yeah, having that conversation around urgency and understanding the urgency of, their, of your buyer is super critical. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, I think software buying is becoming uh, more a little bit more like, you know, mortgage <laughs> buying where the competition is crazy, right? I mean, there's like a gajillion places you can go look for a mortgage. Um, so for them... 
capturing you as fast as possible before you have a chance to go to four other sites and check uh, and check things out is is super important. And we're not, you know, we're certainly not there in software, but we're we're closer than we were ten years ago, right? When there was one option for what you wanted to get done, uh, now there's twelve. Yeah, immediate response times become pretty critical still because. I think we've all seen the graphs of like, how does first response time affect conversion rates? And it looks like a waterfall, you know, so you have to be there almost instantaneously in responding. That doesn't mean you have to be hounding somebody, but you need to be there if they want you um, in order to engage and start that process. And, and that's why, you know, we were talking about metrics a little bit earlier. It's why we why we manage the, the speed to lead. We know the speed to lead matters uh, within our business of, 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 you know, business communications and, and, and VoIP um, for, for, for Dialpad. But that stuff matters. How, whether we get back to somebody within minutes or if we take hours, I can tell you the ones that if you take longer than a few minutes, like they're going to be on and talking to the next three people. And we do some interesting things and just... Um, you know, go shopping and testing out how quickly competitors will get back to get back to it. And you'd be shocked at how fast some people are. And um, to Derek's point, I think a lot of walls get broken down in, in selling B2B software these days. And there's a lot of competition in a lot of markets. And this stuff actually starts to have some pretty significant implications to how quickly your, your business can scale. Yeah, I'm even thinking about how, you know, even though our products don't necessarily compete with each other, we're all competing for budget at some point, right? So if multiple people are running multiple projects, you better be responding to your person quickly because if they're the first one to ask for budget, you know, you're going to have to be there. Sales leaders have a full plate, but one thing all of us need to understand is how our reps spend their time. According to a Salesforce study, 64% of a typical rep's week is spent on non-selling tasks, things like updating contact information and scheduling meetings. That's why it's crucial to have an automation strategy that eliminates low-value work. Intercom's director of sales operations, Shreya Revakumar, sat down with Slack's Maggie Hot and Guru's Halid Ibrahimovic to discuss how they're creating new efficiency with automation. The brute force way of driving more sales is to simply hire more salespeople and increase your overall capacity. But that's expensive and not scalable, as we're all too familiar with. Another way is to free up your existing capacity by automating work that's high touch, low value. In your mind, what's the next area of sales work that is ripe for automation? This is kind of a weird one, but for me, it would be automating meeting preparation and presentation creation. I can't tell you how many years of my life I've spent creating presentations. Before I was a sales manager at Slack, I was an enterprise AE for a few years, and I was also uh, an AE for five years before coming to Slack. And I have just learned it is so time-consuming and manual to not only do the research, but also build up the presentations. At Slack, our sales cycle is very consultative. We sell into every single line of business. So therefore, we do a lot of personalized presentations and demos. And sometimes these can take days to put together to and to research the companies. We also like to come to every single first meeting with a hypothesis on that company's goals and a solution overview on how Slack could help them. However, it takes a lot of research to really nail this, but it is usually quite effective. So I guess my dream for automation would be to have a way where a rep can go to an extensive pick list and click the different topics to cover, input in some of the basic company information. It would somehow do a lot of the research for them. Um, and then it spits out a beautiful presentation deck and demo within a couple of minutes. You know, I, I would love to connect you with our EMEA sales director, Stan Maseras. This is such a pet passion project of his. But yeah, I hear you on this. It's, it's a great way to be able to scale our teams. Um, Halid, how about yourself? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's necessarily 
next for everyone else, but it is absolutely next for us. You know, in an effort to support a, a product-led strategy, we're now testing out live and AI-assisted chat when prospects are hitting our website. We've learned that the odds of us converting into a sales are exponentially higher when a prospect trials our product. So we want to do everything we can to really encourage that experience and get them to trial as soon as possible. And so the hypothesis is, you know, chat and especially AI-assisted chat can help with that. And the early findings have been that the AI-assisted chat is actually outperforming the humans when it comes to uh, yielding new trials, um, which is which is great. Yeah. You know, conversely, um, are we at risk of removing the personal element of sales with with too much automation? Yeah. Um, well, I, w- I would say I have a strong opinion on this one, and I, I disagree. I think, if, if anything, it should do the opposite and actually has to be the opposite. And the reason I say that is I think there are a couple of, of real important macro trends um, that need to be considered. First is the the pace of innovation. Um, all of us work for companies that are probably bringing new new ideas, new features, new products to market really, really quickly. And so sales reps need to keep up with that. Um, the barriers for entry for competition keep getting lower and lower. Just go to like a, a G2 crowd listing for any product category and you'll see how many different vendors fit into that. So there's that to consider. I think there's other two other considerations as well. Firstly, the the world becoming much more real-time. So consumer apps have have influenced how buyers think about the experience when it comes even to to B2B type scenarios. And the buyers, they want to see something that is real-time. They want to engage as quickly as they can and across many different channels too. And then finally, you think about how much more educated buyers are. They've done probably 60% of their research before they've even engaged with a sales rep. So you you bring all of that into play and what you're really asking your sales reps is, is on the flip of a switch, they need to be able to get in front of a prospect and, and add value to that conversation because that's what people are expecting. They need to be the consultant. So how can you eliminate all the other things that sales reps need to think about through automation so that they have more time and capacity to 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 be an expert in that uh, arena and really bring value to to what the prospect is looking for. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, um, Maggie. Yeah, um, I actually agree with Halid with the caveat that I see a lot of companies and sales reps sending out email blasts that try to look personalized, but it's very obvious it's a blast. There's actually a time we'll never forget when uh, myself and the management team, we were all in a room in a meeting and every single one of us got the exact same email and someone brought it up in the sense that they were like, hey, oh, this interesting email just came in. We're all like, oh yeah, we got that exact same thing. I would personally never respond to one of these and it to me it just kind of comes across a bit as junk mail. Um, It's very obvious when something's personalized versus a template. And I'm a firm believer that even though it takes longer, I think prospecting emails should always be personalized as it would take a really advanced email tool to write out custom emails per the prospect. So hopefully someday that comes. I do think, though, if reps can just spend one hour less a day doing manual tasks, they're going to have a lot more time back in their day to be talking to prospective customers. We've already seen a ton of improvement in just a few years years implementing in tools like Guru, Troops, Gong, CPQ, et cetera, that allow reps to find and take action on some of their day-to-day tasks in a much faster way. Also, my team and myself are often on the road about every other week. So anything that can be accomplished via very quickly via mobile, so like an approval, is a huge time saving for everything, uh, for everyone. I think really everything should be built with a mobile-first strategy. 
I really couldn't agree more, you guys. You know, here at Intercom, we use automation to help prospects and customers to ultimately get a better overall experience. And automating certain parts of our acquisition process and workflows allows our reps to provide an enhanced and personalized experience for those who actually need it and who need to have more of those like extensive and consultative purchase decisions um, while we're doing sort of quick assists for customers looking to move faster. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with Intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. You've likely heard the truism, what got you here won't get you there. And that is exactly the case in sales. In our recent study of B2B sales professionals, six out of 10 of them reported the tactics they used last year were less effective this year. So what can sales leaders do to maintain their momentum in the market? Intercom sales manager Will Holden sat down with Aircall's Colin Cadmus and Glowfox's Patrick Fitzgerald to uncover their secrets to scaling revenue. What other levers do you feel you have at your disposal to drive growth, as opposed to just throwing heads at the issue, which actually is a, a fairly valid approach to the problem to begin with, but perhaps Glowfox, now you're at the point whereby that's no longer rational. How are you uh, continuing to drive growth and how do you, how do you wrestle with that challenge? Yeah, it's um, it's a very critical challenge for us at the moment, actually. So, you know, Series A business, we have teams in Sydney and Dublin and in LA and mixture of inbound and outbound now. And as we focus on two core priorities, right, for for the next six months, really, the, the first is on is on recruitment and finding the right people to come in and mm. and and keep doing what we have done. But for every single one that we do take in, we have to make sure that their ramp time is shorter than the last person that joined. We need to make sure that everything that is good that has been done in in any time period is something that we are recording, that we are making available and visible to the rest of the team and standardizing then everything that all of the team is doing. Right. So many people forget about that metric. Standardization. It, it, it just sort of, you know, filters away. It's like, hey, we're, we're moving really quick. We're growing. Let's just get on board. Let's get this figured out. Exactly. It's such a key metric. How long does it take for this person to approach productivity? And that needs to be socialized across the business, right? Finance needs to be aware of it. The enablement team needs to be aware. All the hiring managers need to be aware. Uh, you can very quickly run amok 
by by growing fast, but ultimately not producing for nine months. Absolutely true. You know, salespeople don't generate demand, right? It, you know, depending on your definition of a salesperson, but you know, ultimately, salespeople don't generate demand. They help close close it out. So, so what what can they do? They can maximize the value of the demand that they that they have, right? Right. And so, so the kind of things that we're thinking about are. Um, yeah, we, we, we brought on a call recording system which um, enables us to see what high performers do that other people perhaps don't. It allows us to create that kind of competitive element across the team, view the topics that top performers speak about that others don't. It allows but us to see the type of language that they use. That specifically unlocks value for them. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, you know, you, you set your metrics, you set, you set the topics that are valuable, that you think are valuable to a sale. You identify the language that that drives towards a, towards a closed deal, and then it also t- assesses other things like whether you let your customer speak or whether you bore them to tears with your own monologue. It records, you know, how often you interrupt or how much time you actually allow someone to finish a sentence before you jump in. So, an, an amazing tool which helps us standardize, helps us work towards the perfect demo, the perfect call, and you know that's the call. But then next step process, right? Post demo process. How do we standardize the ten contact points that drive towards a closed deal in ten days? Mm. How do we make sure that everybody is doing that? How do we enable them with the right materials for the right prospect to close that deal as quickly as possible? And then it, move on to the next. And then move on. Well, be the, running multiple deals at all at once. That yeah. workflow to optimize, right? Exactly right. So the, you know, it, it is a it's a never ending task. And I'm going to jump to you now, Colin, particularly on that point around knowing what to optimize and when to optimize it. Maybe you could give us an overview of a few of those other levers that you guys are pulling to drive growth outside of growing headcount. But then let's talk about that sales process that Patrick was alluding to and optimizing stages of it. I'd be really keen to get your take on how you plan that and and how you approach optimizing a sales process. Yeah. So for me, the lead operations ties into one of the pieces. We're also putting RevOps in place. So a lot of, I think, optimizing a team and making them more efficient is having dedicated teams whose job is actually to do that. And of course, you'll lean on your VP sales, you'll lean on your director of sales, your sales managers. But I think it, it, when it really happens best is when you have people who are dedicated to doing it, whether they're implementing it or whether they're just helping you identify the opportunities. And hand in hand with that, I like to kind of move in cycles. And so I look at 2019 was a growth cycle for us. We did a lot of hiring. Our main efforts were towards hiring. Of course, you're always trying to optimize and perfect the process, but really you can't do a whole lot of both at the same time until you're a much more mature organization and you have teams dedicated specifically to hiring and training. Whereas today it's our directors and our managers who do the hiring. And so, you know, they're going to be limited on how much they can do to change the process while they're training 30 new people and constantly recruiting. And so I look at 2020 is more of an optimized year for us. It's where we are going to do less hiring than we did this year, but we're going to aim to perfect different metrics in our funnel, uh, mm. different aspects of the sales process. And so I look at it in a couple ways. So because I have directors and managers, the way I split it up is I have the managers focus on the individual reps, right? Focus on identifying a metric with each rep every month yeah. that you're going to put a strategy in place to improve. Just pick one. Pick one and go all in on it. And then I have the directors focus on picking a metric every quarter for the entire team. And so you have the director who's kind of spearheading this one big initiative of, hey, we're going to 
you know, an example for us earlier this year was, hey, we want to increase our our percentage of deals that prepay us annually versus monthly. And we put a whole strategy in place and it was a 90 day initiative. And then, uh, you know, we executed it. We got it to 4x of, of where it was. And it's because we had laser focus on it. And, you know, that was led from the top. That was me before we had a director. Yeah. But going forward, that'll be a director type initiative. And each quarter, I think every 90 days, you pick a metric and you really focus on it. Pick a of rough, course, yeah. if it takes longer than 90 days, you know, keep going. And then you have to obviously sustain that. But I think if, if you can significantly improve four key metrics a year, you will have a significantly different team at the end of every year. And of course, that's hand in hand with the managers also focusing on yeah. the smaller details. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think yearly planning and getting the group together for you know, definition of what we're going to be working on, absolutely key. So moving forward at Glowfox, what are some of the key challenges to growth that you foresee over the next 12 months? Absolutely. There's two key priorities for us over the next six months or so, which is around acquisition and enablement, talent acquisition and enablement. So, you know, we're not at a stage like Aircall, like Intercom, where we have multi-tiered management structure. It, 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 the responsibility for all of those things lie with the narrower pool of people. And so what, you know, what does that mean? Our ambitions are no smaller than either of your businesses. So rather than just you know, bleeding all of our team dry, we have to think about very scalable ways that will enable us to, to achieve the growth that you already have. So, so on the acquisition side, you know, we, we, recruiters are a necessary part of this, but they're not the answer. They provide valuable service in many ways, but any person that is going to want to join our business is going to want to have a much more personal experience than they would get through a recruiter. Okay. And so, so I'm using a big, you know, an account-based marketing approach essentially to my talent recruitment now, which, um, which has transformed the pipeline, to be honest, by a factor of about 100 in the last week alone. So mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty exciting. Before we wrap up, Colin, uh, to you with the same question, big challenging rocks you're going to try and break over the next 12 months. And, and these aren't necessarily opportunities. These are things that really pain you today and you want to fix quick. Yeah, for us, it's it's maintaining all of the organization and efficiencies that we've had to date as we continue to grow into these new channels, mm. you know, expanding things like channel sales. And then we have some strategic partnerships that are in the works that, for example, if one of them takes off, we would probably need to hire 20 to 30 people just to handle that the influx of leads that will come from that deal. Oh, and it can happen really, really quickly. Yeah. So it's exciting, but it's also, you know, a bit scary because a lot has to change. And it's not just on the sales side. If we, you know, if we start 10xing our, our influx of leads through this one strategic partnership and those leads start converting at even the same rate that we convert regular leads, which they, they should actually convert higher, yeah. we now need to be able to support those customers, yeah. not only with salespeople, but with onboarding with support. And those customers can be located anywhere in the world. They could need 24-7 that's, uh, I would say, if there's there's a big, you know, need to be prepared for. And it's hard to be fully prepared because you can't go hire 30 people and have them just sit and wait. So you have to be ready to move fast when when that happens. And if you screw it up, you know, you can you can kill that whole initiative pretty quickly. So that's something that I'm, I'm thinking a lot about, how to be prepared for those things while also not taking focus away from everything else, you know, that we that we need to be working on. You've been listening to the Sales Summit in Summation, our final episode weaving together our recent conversations on speed, automation, and growth. A huge thanks to our partners at Dialpad, Sherlock, Slack, Guru, Aircall, and Glowfox for sharing their many insights. And of course, a big thank you to our hosts on the Intercom sales team. 
For more on these topics, be sure to grab your copy of our book, Intercom on Sales. It's jam-packed with proven sales plays from our journey scaling a billion-dollar business. It's available right now for free at intercom.com forward slash books. Thank you. The Sales Summit, brought to you by Inside Intercom.